This episode of Fuel for the Soul is powered by ASICS. Head over to ASICS.com and sign up for a one ASICS account. It's completely free, and when you sign up, you'll receive 10% off your first purchase. You'll also gain access to exclusive colorways on ASICS.com, free standard shipping, special birthday month discounts, and more. Hi, this is Thomas Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Believe in the Run. And this is Megan with Featherstone Nutrition. AKA Feathers. And we got a special guest today. Our special guest is too tall for turkey. He is the man that can dunk. I, I'm guessing you can dunk a, a basketball. Is that correct? Hopefully I could still dunk a basketball. All this long distance running. Okay. I, I never could. I could grab the rim. I could jump up and hold the rim and pull myself up. But that was about it. But this gentleman, he's six foot four. He's coming at you hardcore. His name is Drew Whitcomb from Wear Testers. And we brought him in today because he's got different issues. <laughs> lots, <laughs> lots issues. and lots of issues. <laughs> we brought Drew on because Drew was also in New York City running. And before the race and after the race, if for those of you who have met either of us in person, we are very tall for the average runners male and female. So we were talking about nutrition needs for bigger runners, right? Not our 5'2", 110-pound runners. And I'm not going to lie, we talked about it before, and I was very concerned. I was like, how is Drew going to keep up in this heat? Because we know hydration needs are very different for larger athletes. So then we got to talking. We're like, you know what? We better make this a podcast. So here we are today. And large is a triggering word for some people, but uh, like, I would just say, I don't even know how to describe you guys because it's not like you're, you're just freakishly big. (laughs) So, and we'll talk about that today. Like part of it is like how tall someone is, how big their bone structure is, how much body surface area they have. It could be that we have more weight on our body than someone else. Like all of it still is moving a bigger body through air, right? As we're running. And that does change nutrition needs. All right. So... My my first two marathons that I ran last year, Chicago and CIM, I both of them, tw- mile 22, 23, I just like ran out of fuel, right? So I think when we look online, I did much better this year. We can talk about that later. When you look online, people are like, oh, like five gels, you're good, you know, There's different every 40 minutes, every 5K, you know, there's all this various advice. Translating that into someone who's taller and bigger. Listen, I'm 6'6 and 195. You know, I know like if I was more of a stick, it would be much easier. Um, Also, if I was shorter, it'd be much easier um, to figure out the nutrition. I mean, heck, I was running along a tall guy, alongside a tall guy in one of the marathons, can't remember which one. And he's like, I got eight gels in my, in my, uh, fanny pack and I was like eight gels I am severely underprepared um so I knowing that Megan is a taller runner and has to do this for herself just makes me ask all kinds of questions but that's probably the one I'd say we need to start with because that's where I see problems with other taller people as well or the most problems I should say and I think we've talked before on the show that energy needs are related to whether we're a male or a female, you know, how big we are, our height, our weight, 
our body composition, all these types of things. And then, of course, like how much intensity we're running with. So how fast we're running, how far we're running, all that kind of stuff goes into the energy equation. But bottom line is the more mass we carry, the more energy we burn while we're running. So like looking up different equations, like you can kind of estimate like how many calories am I burning running a mile, right? But there was actually a really good study out there that they looked at. So I was just kind of plugging and chugging what this would look like. So if you take like a 200, 220 pound male runner, they're going to burn like 129 calories an hour during the marathon. And if you look at like 120 pound female, they're burning like 80 or 90. So when you add that up over 26.2 miles, there is a significant difference in energy needs or energy burn during a marathon. So on the flip side, like Drew was saying, like you could fuel more often, but the other benefit of being a larger runner is we have larger glycogen stores. So we could probably have more stored fuel. So for every athlete, it might be different. Some people might need to fuel more often. Some people might not if they're glycogen, you know, so it's a very complex equation, right? But like bottom line, it takes a lot more energy to move a bigger body through a marathon than it would for a smaller petite or frame. I mean, I'm always amazed because I feel like even at my size is a disadvantage to being, you know, not Ilya Kipchoge size. You know, it's like I look at those guys who are, you know, super thin and light looking and it's hard not to go, well, yeah, that would be easier. And I look at I remember seeing Drew. I was like, boy, that guy's like a SUV, man. It's going to be much harder for him to get up to those quicker speeds. But he does. He seems to do fine. So, uh, you know, it is like you it, I wonder how much is like just being a good athlete, what his engines like inside his VO2, that kind of stuff. And then on top of it, yeah, having to worry about the extra hydration or the extra nutrition. So did you find Drew when you fueled more frequently when you were out there? Do you feel better? Did you not hit the wall? At 22? Yeah, so um, so I ran Boston in April, and that was the first marathon I got done the whole way running, right? Which was, like, my goal after I flamed out the first two. Like, um, and that one I did every 25, 30 minutes, and I had Mortons, and I didn't have wow. to carry that many because they have Mortons on the course, too. So I grabbed, like, three towards the end. So I think it ended up at like six or seven, although to be honest, at like mile 24, my stomach was just like, I don't want any, like I should have probably put another one in, but I didn't. Um, So that is the one thing um, I think helped me in New York is I followed your calculator for the carb loading the three days prior. And I don't think I got anywhere near the amounts that your calculator recommends. Your calculator is out there just telling me to eat the whole world. but like I did, I just had like bagels always on hand, you know, which which people can see on your Instagram when you're preparing for a race. And I think that really helped towards the end as well, because then I didn't have to worry about my stomach getting uh, quite so crazy. Although in New York, I did grab a banana at mile 22 from some random person and just shoved it down as fast as I could, because I'm like, my body can take a banana and like the heat was pretty crazy i was i was definitely low on energy okay if we're gonna pull a quote for the graphic for this week it's my body can take a banana banana from drew whitcomb um and also hey drew i had a question for you were you able to take do or do you take the caffeine uh mortons yeah so i um 
I was trying to play with that this time in New York because of, I don't know if it was Megan or someone was telling me that like the may, the caffeine takes a certain amount of time to hit. So I tried to take them like, so that they would hit throughout the race. Um, I think that last one, the last caffeinated one I took was maybe 16 or 17, like hoping that it would hit, you know, 45 minutes to an hour later, right when I needed it. And which I did feel pretty good once I got inside Central Park, which is what, like 24 and a half. So it could have had to do with the caffeine, could also have had to do with the crowds were just insane there, right? So I don't know which one to give more credit to, but that's what I tried to do. So, so my my question for feathers then is, uh, being a, a a larger person, does the caffeine intake is it? Can he handle more? Like, or is it caffeine, caffeine, and you yeah. get the so. And that's what's interesting. When we look at sports nutrition recommendations, almost all of them are based on body weight and caffeine is the same. So yes, you you could technically tolerate a lot more caffeine, maybe even up to three or four caffeinated Martins. I don't know, four makes me a little bit nervous as I say that. Maybe three, whereas most people are only taking two. Um, but also it's... We all tolerate caffeine different. What does Kafuzi do? Like six? <laughs> it's like yeah. it's like one regular and the rest are caffeine. No, it was Ben Johnson. That's oh, Ben, ben Johnson. Yeah. yeah. Okay. He, he's always got a smile on his face, so <laughs> maybe that's the secret. Yeah, that's right? why he's smiling. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there is, you could go overboard on caffeine, like if we're talking like these energy drinks and stuff like that. Or is that more about like just in putting too much sugar in your body for when you're trying to perform at a high level. Uh, Cause I know you get like the little, like um, it's like the buzz kind of feeling and people love that for lifting weights. Um, I do occasionally drink one when I shouldn't. Um, and then, and then Megan Murray calls me out in my Instagram uh, DMS. He's an energy um, drink junkie, not a junkie. <laughs> I've, you know, but like, it's like that, that high school me still remembers everyone being like, you got to take creatine before you go lift. So if I go lift weights, there's something in my head that says I need like some creatine or something extra to really be able to, you know, lift heavy, which, you know, I'm trying to do with my legs now to balance out the running. So maybe dispel like, like that. When does caffeine and sugar go too far? I guess. So with energy drinks, I mean, this is like such a, a hot topic that honestly I've never realized how many energy drinks there are on the market until someone asked me about this like six months ago and I look I don't know how I just had my blinders on when I walked past them in sheets I don't know I was like there's so many different brands and types and flavors and it's insane it's like a 21 billion dollar industry energy drinks are now like I had no idea they were this big of a thing so you bring up a very good question and the bottom line is energy drinks are not regulated as food or beverages so the fda has no control over like what's actually in these drinks they're actually considered a quote-unquote supplement which is very different than anything else that's in the case that you're buying to drink so what that means is a lot of these drinks end up having significantly more caffeine than maybe they're labeled to be having or they have other stimulants like guarana that with caffeine increases it and it's not listed on the label all that kind of stuff so that's my biggest concern with energy drinks is that we 
could very easily consume too much caffeine. And when you're saying that like buzzed feeling or like I'm wondering if it's just that you're getting an insane amount of caffeine right before you're lifting. Yeah, it's like a pins and needles that goes through your arm. And oh, uh, wow. it, it like it's what it's what I used to get when I'd like drink some creatine you know, down. So wait, do you not use creatine anymore? Um, so the, the stuff the the energy drinks that all drink, like before working out, they do have creatine in them, but like they're to Megan's point, their ingredient list list is just ridiculous. There's so much random. You can't decipher how much creatine's in there. It's probably like a half of a gram, which is doing nothing, but yeah, it'll say it's there. Would creatine help with just regular running? So that's kind of another thing that's, creatine has bounced into the running world it used to obviously just be in strength because it's a the creatine phosphate system that is producing really fast energy but it's only like 20 or 30 seconds that it's producing energy for so it's for those really quick fast powerful movements so we typically don't translate into running but there is some theory that like oh if we take it before we lift or before a workout like are we going to be able to get more out of that that would then translate to better running fitness so there's some people that are recommending that runners take creatine i'm kind of on the fence right now like i think for certain people maybe but others maybe not just kind of depends on goals yeah i don't think i do it in hot weather because i feel thirstier when i whenever i take any creatine or when i used to um and i just couldn't see that playing out very well when you're trying to perform any sort of long distance focused workout or i mean even a track workout because i mean like eight 200 or like eight 400s or 10 400 something like that towards the end you're gonna the creatine's all gone i bet so what drug should we be taking (laughs) hgh it's for another episode thomas (laughs) no but i think you know the pins and needles feeling that you're describing that's from the b vitamins that are in there and there's too much of them particularly niacin can cause that like tingling and flushing feeling um so, yeah, that's not uncommon to feel that way from, like, a pre-workout or some of these energy drinks, which, again, like, I'm, it, it, when you look up energy like, they're being over-consumed by teenagers who shouldn't be drinking that much caffeine yeah. to begin with, you know? So, some of these drinks have three or 400 milligrams of caffeine in them, and for adults, we try to say less than 400 milligrams per day. So, if you're drinking more than one, like, you're pretty easily getting more than you probably need. Yeah, I remember I was in college and my friend and I were trying to stay up all night to finish these projects at the end of a semester. And he was just housing these energy drinks. And then I picked one up and I read the label and it's like, don't consume more than two in a 12 hour period. And I'm like, how many of these have you had? And he's like, "Uh oh, oh, I OD'd on caffeine once in college and I'll never do it again. I remember calling my dad. I was like, I think I'm dying. (laughs) My heart felt like it was racing and like beating irregularly. And I was like so anxious. I was ready to crawl out of my skin. He's like, drink some water and go lay down. So I was like chugging water and eventually felt better. But yeah, I mean, we don't want to be ODing on caffeine. (laughs) Well, and, and back kind of, sorry, I took us on a big tangent, but back to kind of like getting your like body enough fuel during like a marathon effort or a long run is the way to like get your body to where your stomach doesn't feel sour kind of at the end of a marathon. Is it just like cramming a bunch of food in when you do like your 18 to 22 mile long runs? Or are there other ways to kind of prepare 
kind of like your system for that much. Cause I feel like that's where a lot of tall guys, they'd be like, Oh yeah, I'm going to take eight gels with me and they're all going to be caffeinated or whatever they're going to do. But then they're going to actually try and put them down as they're running at marathon pace for that long. And I feel like the results will not always be that great. So is there a way to train our system to do that? Yeah. Yeah. We absolutely want to practice like weekend in weekend out with exactly how we want to fuel during the race, because we can, we can train our, our gut to accept that and to feel better with it and to use it a little more efficiently. Um, so that obviously takes a lot of training. But honestly, a lot of where my mind goes with that is, so obviously nutrition needs are increased for larger runners, but then what about hydration? So there's a lot of really good research to show the more body surface area you have, the higher your sweat rate to be able to cool your body. So you know, someone, it's, sweat rate is also genetics, right? So Meg and I running side by side, my jersey was stuck to me and dripping way before Meg's was in New York City, but she might just have a lower sweat rate genetically, but I am a lot bigger than her, you know? So it's like, it's kind of hard to differentiate all the time. But I mentioned that because if we have that higher sweat rate, we're going to get dehydrated more quickly. And as soon as we get dehydrated, that's where our quote unquote, to use your words, stomach can turn sour. So a lot of times if we can't get fuel down in the second half of the run, my mind goes to like, are we just way too dehydrated? So do we need to front load nutrition a little bit better? Because there's only so much fluid we can take in when we're out there. We can only offset our losses so much. So some of these big guys that I have worked with, specifically runners, it's like they're losing 50 to 60 ounces of fluid an hour via sweat. We can maybe get in 22, maybe 24 if they train their gut really well. So by hour three, you're already deficient, you know, liters of fluid, and that's really going to impact our tolerance to fuel. So sometimes it's just knowing what our overall sweat rate looks like, what we can tolerate hydration wise, how do we optimize that? And then how do we just rearrange nutrition so that if that does happen, our performance doesn't tank? Like, do we front load it? Do we make sure we're really well carb loaded? Did the banana have something special in it? You know, like those types of things to just really figure out the best route. I mean, I do think that when you, when you look at it, I, I don't know about you guys, and maybe this will be a little round table here, but when I'm taking the Mortons or any goo for that matter, there's just f- fatigue of putting that in your mouth. Like it's not even my gut. It's just like my mouth doesn't want it. It's like I have a lot of athletes that switch on and off their fuel. Like they have two or three types of gels they rotate through when they're out there. And I've been seeing that more frequently than I used to. And I wonder if that is exactly why. Well, what I got, Megan, from your description there is that we all just need to learn how to run a two-hour marathon so we're not out there as long <laughs> yeah. and good to go. 100%. No, but seriously. Let's all just run faster. Do you think it's your stomach towards the end or do you think it's just putting something sweet? And- no, I don't I don't mind the Mortons like you do. It's if, if I can't take one down, it's usually because of nauseous or something like that, which is probably goes back to Megan's point of being dehydrated at the end of a run. Sometimes it's just we're so sweaty we can't do anything about it in certain weather. And I think that's, you know, what happened with Jared. And that's why I was worried about Drew because I was like, man, we've talked about his sweat rate. And then when I saw you and your time was fantastic, I was like, well, he handled that better than I expected. Yeah, I mean, like, well, I've gotten used to it. And growing up in Orlando definitely helped because, you know. Yeah, I forget that he's from the South. Yeah, I mean, like Mm – 
about the time I was in high school is when they were really starting to be like, oh, you guys need to drink before and after we do all this stuff, whether it was on the track or, you know, we were doing basketball workouts inside or outside, that sort of thing. They were pushing it more. So the hydration side, I feel pretty good about now. I mean, when you're on a course for three hours and 20 minutes, it's still, that's a lot of time. And, you know, I, I had the handheld for about 14 miles before I got tired of carrying it. I need to I need to practice the handheld in my long runs because my shoulders were starting to get tired. And I was like, this sucks. And I just chucked it. Um, if, if you want to get macho about it, you think, OK, when I'm carrying the handheld, it's like a small dumbbell. And the distance you carry it, you're like, I'll get ripped carrying this thing around. <laughs> Exactly. It's totally what it is. Just it's all those strands in, in your shoulder showing because of your yeah, time with the handheld. You're going to have to take creatine before you start carrying a water bottle. <laughs> but, like, seriously, though, you still live. It's not like you transplanted to, like, Maine from uh, Orlando. You're in uh, Atlanta. What, Atlanta. So Atlanta's hot that's, during the summer. So that that helped the whole, like, summer build because I ran 16, 18 miles, and it was you know, hotter than we ran the marathon at. But there is something I think that happens to me. It's like going from that long run pace to marathon pace for that amount of time. It's like my body is, you know, after four of them, my body's still getting used to it. It's like, holy crap, you're asking a lot of us for this long of time. And so like, that's why like, whenever I see Megan, I pick her brain because I'm like, okay, I need to, I need to learn like everything I can, because I think it's a little bit of trial and error to try and figure out what, like what, what works perfectly for you. And like, I think if I can carb up a little more and I think the hydration probably before, especially walking around New York city, like I did, I think I wouldn't have, um, cause I did have a little bit of, um, hamstring cramping around 23, you know, where you could tell that the energy was low and I was able to get through it, like slowing down a little bit and taking in some Gatorade, some water, that sort of thing. Um, but like, that is what I want to avoid in future marathons without having to depend on the weather at the marathon being like 45 degrees which would help and I would appreciate if eventually the running gods give me that. But, you know, I'm going to go ahead and prepare like I'm not ever going to get that. I'm curious when you um, plugged in everything on Megan's website for the carb load calculator, like what did it pop up and how close did you get or were you not really tracking? Um, I wasn't really tracking, but it was like 700. Yeah, 709. That's exactly what it was per day for three days. And so, like, I gra- I mean, like, how many carbs are in those huge New York bagels? Like, I got a bunch of those New York bagels, and I was just trying to, like, slam them down at the New Balance Shakeout Run. Like, I went to Kafusi's Run the day before and had, like, two or three bagels that day. And then I had, like, two or three at our Shakeout Run um, that we did. And so, like... I mean, that was more carbs than I had put into my system leading up to a race ever. And I, and like I, and what's crazy is I needed every single one of them and could have used more. Yeah. That's only like 300, isn't it? Or maybe less. Yeah. So two bagels. I mean like the bigger bagels, I don't know. I, I have a feeling I was probably in like the 450 range after all is said and done per day for the three. Mm. Um, now I did eat a lot of pasta the night before too, um, at that pasta dinner and that like, 
that was helpful because that was I think it was like probably like three plates of pasta, but um, I don't think I got to the the 709 grams of carbs per day. This episode of Fuel for the Soul is sponsored by Inside Tracker. We all use Inside Tracker to check our general health through training and to make sure we're set up for success come race day. Thomas, give everyone a little more information about Inside Tracker. All right. Inside Tracker is a personalized nutrition platform that uses blood work to create a science-backed plan to help you reach your potential for better performance and a longer, healthier life. You can learn more about the product by going to InsideTracker.com. And for a limited time, Inside Tracker is offering our listeners 20% off their entire store. Just go to InsideTracker.com slash fuel. Uh, another question I have for, for Feathers is, so Drew isn't, like, he's big, but he's not, he's, he's lean. So you're fueling muscle versus maybe someone who has more weight on them that's a mixture of fat and muscle. Is there a difference in how you would prescribe, uh, like, getting ready for race day between a person who weighs the same amount as Drew but maybe is a foot shorter um, or something like that? Like, what what would be the mix there? Absolutely. It, it would be dramatically different. And that's where, like, yes, I have calculators on the website, but, like, it's there's no nuance to a calculator right it's very black and white so when someone like drew puts in his weight into the calculator and it says he needs 709 grams of carbs he needs 709 grams of carbs to carb load he did more than he'd ever done in the past so he felt benefit from it which is another thing if somebody looks at that number and they're like no way can i do that okay do what you're comfortable with if it's more than normal you're still going to benefit you know um but if somebody puts in a number and their weight is say 100 pounds more than perhaps their body weight should be or would like to be or however we want to phrase it, then it might be falsely high. They might not actually have that much capacity to store that much glycogen, right? But because Drew has the amount of muscle mass that he has on his very tall frame, he has a lot more capacity to store glycogen um, in his body because glycogen is stored in muscles, right? So if somebody has less muscle, more fat, like it would be a little bit different. Um, Again, there's so many nuances to all of this, but as we know from like a resting metabolic rate or an actual, you know, running a marathon um, calorie burn, both of those numbers are going to be increased the more muscle mass we have. So somebody that is a very tall, lean runner is going to have more muscle mass. Their energy needs are going to be through the roof. I mean, if I had to take a stab at what Drew needed in a day, it might be close to 5,000 calories when he's training hard. You know, like it's, it's high. It's probably double what some of my smaller female runners are needing a day, which brings me to a good question. I'm curious do you have trouble eating enough when you're training and trouble maintaining weight or do you seem to handle No, I've gotten a prodigious ability to eat from my father. Um, the problem <laughs> is I think what'll happen is some days like I won't have gotten enough good food and then at the very end of the day I'll be like, oh, Cheez-Its and just like slam a bunch of Cheez-Its, which is obviously not as good as if I just like make another protein shake or grab, you know, an old chicken breast from the fridge or something like that. So that's, that's probably where I kind of hurt myself in training is a, like, I probably get enough, um, like, you know, energy calories overall, but it could, the balance of what it is could be better. I have a question. So do you eat before your, are you a morning runner? Yeah. So I'm a morning runner and I usually go, like I didn't eat before because 
when I would wake up and play basketball and stuff growing up, I never wanted too much in my stomach for basketball, which you can get away with in a 45 minute to an hour long game. Right. Um, but with running, I just couldn't get away with it. Like and perform in my workout, especially on workout days. Right. So I started eating like oatmeal with blueberries in it. And so then that's like my go-to every morning. So I do that take my kid to the bus, and then I go over and do my run. So there's a little bit of time to digest, but not much, which I was also hoping would kind of help me like get used to running with stuff in my stomach. Um, so that's kind of my daily routine now. And then after after I get back, I do a protein shake um, to try and like replace some of that. But then I'm like hungry again by like 11 a.m. So it's it's still probably not enough per se, I'm three foot three and I get hungry by 11. <laughs> so I'm half your size. But you know what is crazy? Like we looked at, I just got the scratch and I trust scratch. I, I like their hydration products and stuff. And you said you have a protein shake afterwards. I've been using the pro, scratch protein and thinking that I'm doing good for myself. I asked, Meg just pulls it out because she reads all the labels. I don't know why she's like neurotic that way. <laughs> but what did you tell me? What was, the, what was the protein content? There was only eight grams of protein yeah. in... 200 calories what the? which is not going to do anything like what do i got to get the momentous stuff what do i got to do so let me backtrack so the scratch recovery product is meant to like bridge to a meal oh. so like they're i'm assuming the research they're basing it off of is we have like two windows to restore glycogen and that first window is when we can like restore it the fastest if we have carbs and some protein. So my thought is they're wanting you to hit that first window of, re- of glycogen recovery with that and then have another meal with all the protein carbs for that second one. But I'm not going to lie, Thomas, I mix the horchata scratch recovery mix with momentous oh. vanilla protein and almond milk and it's so good. And then I just get it all and then I still eat another meal. <laughs> The horchata scratch is so good. So good. So good. I mean, I, I do think there is, you know, every runner has unique challenges. And I do, you know, obviously you can't shrink and get lighter, Drew. Um, but do you ever see the the small, fast guys and kind of wish that maybe you had a different build? Or do you love basketball so much that you're like, ah, screw it. I'll be, uh, I'll never run sub two, but I'll be able to. Dunk. No, I what I am looking for is like what's the world record for someone six six or over, and I can't find it anywhere because that's what I want to know. I want to know how close I am to someone my height running because like my whole goal is like get under three because I'm like oh that's a bucket list item right, and then I'll feel like I did the marathon great. Um, but I also would like to know like where where have other six six people run. Because it's like Jordan, like people knew like three marathons in three days. They knew exactly what Jordan had to get to. But like, I'm a 6'6 guy. I don't know exactly what I need to get to to be the fastest 6'6 marathoner ever in the world. You know, I'm assuming like it's actually pretty hard to get to, but I would like to know what it is. I mean, why don't you just go through the Guinness World Records and see which one's like tallest guy in a suit who can finish a marathon? Right. I I have some bad news for you. I think it might be pretty fast oh. from this little search I did because um, there's a a podcast episode that said uh, Hunter McIntyre is teaming up with Ryan Hall to try and set the Clydesdale Marathon world record 
Um, hear how they plan to run under 237. Holy Christ. Ooh, That's Ben Johnson territory. <laughs> yeah, but all you have to do is wait for a cool day, bro. You'll <laughs> <laughs> fly and get that 709 grams of carbs in for three days. I when mean, I first there. started my running journey, so get this, this is going to wow the uh, nutrition audience. So when I first started my running journey, I trained for a half marathon in downtown Orlando. This was two th- December 2019. We got perfect weather. It was like 42 degrees when it started. Now, this was my first time ever ever doing a training block, right? I did not keep my easy paces easy, anything like that. I was wearing the Zoom Fly 3, so I had like actually pretty heavy shoes on. I did not take any nutrition. I did not drink any water the entire half marathon, and like I finished it in 129. So that's like, like I just like, I should have been like 140, right? But I just got a great day and just killed it. And like afterwards I was telling people, I was like, Oh yeah, I didn't, I didn't drink any water at all. And they're like, what, why, why would you do that? And I like, I, I just didn't know any better. Right. And so now I know better. And like, theoretically like that, like the pace I was able to maintain for that in 2019, like was pretty impressive. And so like, I know there's a way like on certain days, you're just really, really good. Um, but it's, it's interesting now having, I have a lot more knowledge, but not necessarily, I'm not necessarily faster when it comes down to it. Right. Are you sure there wasn't something in those energy drinks? I wasn't drinking. I didn't drink any I'm energy drink that I'm day. <laughs> it turns out he was running a 10 K. <laughs> <laughs> Totally kidding. No, that's crazy. And if you did all the things right, just think how freaking fast you could be. That's where my mind goes with all this. When people come to me, yeah. You you say that about nutrition. I say that about shoes. Yeah, like, true story. Shoe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Shoe, I'll be like, yeah, you did great in your Brooks glycerins. Imagine if you actually had, you know. Alpha Flex. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of which, what did you wear? Uh, oh, wait. You wore SE Trainer, right? SE Elite, uh, SE Elite V3 for... Um, those were great. I didn't think about my feet at all, which was good because I had lots of other stuff to think about. Drew, are you still drink? Like, how often are you drinking these energy drinks? <laughs> Back to so, the drinks. <laughs> like, occasionally, God, like I'm in Kroger and I'm like, oh, look, they're like, you know, two for five or two for four, or whatever. And I buy a few and I just keep them in the fridge in the garage. For like those days when I'm heading to the gym and like I'm just not feeling a workout. So that's exclusively how I use them. There's only one in the fridge right now. And what I was hoping is that after this podcast, I would want to like pour it out into the sink like a recovering alcoholic pours out their booze, right? Mm. So that's that's what I was hoping to get out of this whole conversation. But Megan didn't convince you that they're bad. No, she did convince me that they're bad. Fact, I'm just not. <laughs> while we are on this conversation, he ordered more. <laughs> Wait, so there is one energy drink that is um, regulated by the FDA. It is like a food or beverage, and it's Red Bull. So, like, Red Bull will always have the uh. consistent amount of caffeine that's labeled on there. It won't have more, it won't have illegal junk in it. So, if. We were talking about weaning ourselves <laughs> off of energy drinks. I would say go to Red Bull and then get off of them. But honestly, and an- like- another way to wean Red Bull is you can fill half with vodka, half <laughs> Red Bull, and then you're not drinking as much energy drink. I think that's why I can't drink them anymore. I'm like, oh, college, like, don't give me a Red Bull. 
what about <laughs> find a way way around this um so what about like body armors gatorades like obviously like when we're on course at a marathon like anything goes you just want the sugar and you want the calories in but how should i because i love body armor right and like you know when i was a kid it was all gatorade while you're playing basketball that's what you wanted your parents to buy you but how should i use them in training whether that's train running training or you know training for another sport so my only myth with body armor is there's not much sodium in it like if you look at it it's like i forget if it's like 20 or 40 milligrams it's nothing so a lot of the people i see body armor kind of just crossed over into running but there's a lot of other athletes that are super super sweaty (laughs) that are drinking it all the time marketing it you know uh football players things like that and i'm like this is just not enough sodium it's delicious but um so i that would be something that if somebody was struggling to get enough fluids in on a daily basis and needed the extra calories from the sugar it would be perfect like drink these with meals drink them between meals because we're going to drink more of something that's flavored than we are of just like straight water so i would use something like that but I really do try to get people that are decent sweaters to drink something that has more sodium in it before during and after maybe buy a bag of scratch and just scoop in that in your water but you know what is interesting about body armor is that it's created by the guy who started vitamin water so he sold vitamin water to Pepsi or Coca-Cola I forget which one and then he started body armor so this guy he, he's he's got he's got a good a good handle on how to get drinks into meat. He does, mouth. but that actually makes more sense to me because I I I personally put body armor more in a vitamin water bucket. Like to me, those are similar, like daily drinking products, not sports nutrition. But I think a lot of people have put body armor with the sports nutrition arena. But I just don't well, think it has enough. Salt. This is why the one thing he learned from vitamin water was remember Ray Lewis had his own vitamin water and different sports. This guy has relationships with yeah. athletes. So he gets an athlete on board and ha- gives them equity in the company to promote these drinks. So I don't, I don't know as many athletes on Body Armor, but I'm sure Drew, you probably know some of your your favorite uh, athletes are probably hawking Body Armor. And the thing is, they probably have a stake. Well, in Kobe it. was the first one. He got a big stake in Body Armor, made a lot of money off Body Armor. So I mean, that's that's why Body Armor shot up so fast is because you know, all the Kobe fans, it's probably the, the most popular, uh, sports drink in LA these days. So really like liquid IV scratch, something like that, especially for the days on hard workouts. Cause that's when I find myself kind of like craving like a Gatorade or body armor or on those hard workout days, like later in the day, I just probably haven't hydrated quite enough. So instead it's just take my, my water bottle that I've always got with me and just dump, um, you know, one of those kind of more tuned, um, drinks in there. What else do you drink during the day? Usually water. So you wake up, it's a glass of water, you go out for your run. No coffee. No. Well, I mean, I didn't grow, I didn't grow up drinking coffee. So coffee's hard for me. It just doesn't taste that good. It's not, not, you don't have the trigger. You don't wake up and go, let's have a coffee. So, have you tried the mud water or anything like that? Um, have I tried? No, I haven't tried there's mud like water. Mushroom no. stuff now. So. There's mud water. There's mushroom stuff. There's all these different stuff. drinks that you can have in replacement of coffee that have caffeine and kind of give you that jump start for the day. But I'm just curious because, like you're saying, towards the end of the day, you start craving the drink, and I'm thinking. 
he's probably it's energy so he's probably running low on sugar mm. or glycogen and he wants that little afternoon kick to get back up I, am i becoming a nutritionist feathers <laughs> Well, caffeine doesn't give us energy. It gives us perceived energy, right? Unless there's sugar, like sugar, fat, protein, that gives us true energy. Um, so it's just making sure that we have a combination of all those things. We know, we've talked about it here, like caffeine before a workout decreases pain tolerance, you know, decreases pain, right? So we have more tolerance for it. It increases endurance, you know, it increases mental focus. So it can benefit us in a workout, but we just want to make sure we're fueling with it too. Yeah, but what I'm I'm trying to get at is he is he at the afternoon when he's saying he starts craving it, he's is he running low on energy? Is that a way to boost up his? his it could be. Yeah. It could be knowing that we think he's a metabolic furnace and burning a ton of energy on a daily basis, and that he was like, "Whoa!" When I said five thousand calories, maybe we need a bigger snack or meal before that. Is that what you're getting at, Thomas? Instead of more caffeine? Yeah, sure. That sounds smarter than where I was going. <laughs> <laughs> I have two random questions, like two um, things I've been taking lately that I think help. So one's green tea pills. So I'll do that in the morning with my oatmeal. And then the other one I just started like experimenting with was like turmeric pills because of supposed, uh, what do you call them? Um, inflation or um, inflammation uh, benefits, not inflation. No, it's a, what do, it's an antioxidant. It is. So are 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 either are there merit to either of those? So green tea is there caffeine in it? Is, is the green tea I think pills it's just caffeinated? Straight, it's just straight like green it's tea just the ECGC. extract. Yeah. Yeah, they're antioxidants. It's like crazy high in antioxidant. I don't know. Was it the mid 90s when ECGC was like all the rage? Everyone was trying to take it and that's like the the compound from green tea that is so high in antioxidants. So I'm assuming that's what it is. Um, I always worry about just any supplement that's not regulated, right? Like what's actually in there? Is it what's supposed to be? Is there anything harmful? So that's my biggest thing with supplements is just looking for the, you know, third-party certification. Um, But that would be a high antioxidant. So if it is working, that would be why. And then same thing with turmeric is it's crazy high antioxidant and with you being a taller runner your joints take more wear and tear with more body weight pounding down on them with every step right so it would make sense to be looking for things that would potentially help joint health right you know typically the biggest things i recommend first is like higher dose omega-3 has been shown to help with um decreasing inflammation and then also like if there are some joint issues is like taking some collagen beforehand to help build up cartilage strengthen tendons and ligaments that kind of stuff would be kind of where my mind would go first with um supplements for wearing the long haul of running okay. so <laughs> collagen and then omega-3 is fish oil or okay mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah yeah, yeah. um okay drew did not we. I was going to say we. Did Megan answer all Thomas? of your questions? Thomas, I think so. I mean, obviously, I'm probably going to message her with more at some point, but I've kind of got like <laughs> a few take home things I need to do. I need to to try omega three, try collagen, kind of on that side, see if those uh, can help do what I want them to do. I need to really work on that the the prehydration and pre-carbon up for the next marathon, whichever one that is. Um, also pray for better temperatures. Um, 
but I think I think those and then I think practicing both like with having a handheld with plenty of stuff and like really using my long runs to like carb myself up, you know, whereas I tend to think, oh, like I'm not running that hard. But I mean, you're still out there a ton of time. So I think those things probably for me are going to make a difference. But I think everything like we've talked about in here is going to be. Um, really good for a lot of our readers who tend to have come from a sport like basketball, football, you know, baseball, where they're bigger and they're trying to navigate, you know, a transition to running. Um, and, you know, along with kind of trying to get rid of some of those bad habits they might have from uh, their lifting days and things like that. So I, I think we've covered it pretty well. Well, there, there is one thing that I guess we should mention talking about your audience and, and goals. Uh, you know, when we've talked to feathers in the past, uh, there's a difference between running for fitness where you would like to lose some weight or drop weight and running for performance. And you're going to fuel yourself differently for the two. So and, and maybe you can give them a little soundbite uh, for that so that people know the difference. I think we always have to define what our goal is going to be for running. Are we running for performance or are we running for weight loss? And the fueling is going to be a little bit different for both of those. We, if we're trying to get the most out of our training and the most out of our running, we're not going to be undercutting energy because we're going to be at a deficit and not able to train as hard. But if we're going out there and getting some miles in there and trying to really refine our nutrition, you know, then that could potentially lead to some weight loss. But truthfully, the background or the backbone, if you will, of solid nutrition is going to be the same for both of them. We need balanced meals. We need good timing. We need to, Drew's earlier comment, getting rid of some of those old bad behaviors that maybe worked for us in our 20s that no longer do anymore as we're, you know, getting into running. We really don't want to go too long without eating, whether we're trying to lose weight or not, you know. I think there's a lot of things to really monopolize on um, for the balance of meals and timings as well that would be good for both people. It's just we're intentionally undercutting for weight loss and we're fueling to the maximum for performance we're gonna roll Drew, out thank you for coming on the show this was fun thanks for having me uh thanks everyone for tuning in and we will be back in two weeks peas and carrots bye bye, bye.